Oh, it has been too long, my friends. I had started an episode in August and things got really crazy and I had taken a little bit of a break because so much was going on and I wanted to be able to know that when I came back to talk about it that I was in a place where I was ready to talk about it and I feel like anybody's going through something you know you can go through anything it can be traumatic amazing anything but if you don't feel ready to talk about it don't feel the feel like some sort of obligation that you need to or pressure to you talk about it when you're ready and a lot of it for me coming from dealing with a lot of medical trauma which I'll get into and just kind of dealing with some not the greatest luck um I realized I had a lot of healing to do and I hadn't really let myself heal I didn't really let go of a lot of this pain I was holding on to and waking up today with my back in pain my ribs hurting and just oh feeling every bit of 32 uh I realized you know what I'm about to go through yet another tube change on Thursday and I wanted to talk about what that means like what we go through um on a daily basis if you're in part of the chronic illness community or you're LGBT or both like me and um All these things that I've heard in my own sort of realization and hoping that it helps whoever is listening to sort of come to their own realization of what, what works for you, what feels right to you, and you, you will come to find what will, what will and what won't be. So let's go back to, I think, after my last podcast. It's probably summers before I turned 32. So um, just, I guess, update y'all where I've been. Um, all of April, I dealt with feeding tubes just not cooperating. And then I finally got a break. And then... I got sort of my first taste of, I don't want to say my first taste, but like a really hard, hard, emotional, traumatic, shocking experience in the world of medical care. And if you're in chronic illness, you deal with it. You know that we have a lot of doctors and we take a lot of medicine and we can be, as I like to call myself, a little bit medically complicated. But it, but it's one of those things that takes patience to be patient with yourself, with your body, to, and not every doctor out there is patient enough to take the time to listen. And I think sometimes it can be very intimidating and scary to find a patient that knows their body, who will speak up for themselves, and will put their foot down. And I was starting it was starting to feel like I wasn't being heard and it was starting to feel like nobody was listening and I had had to find a new GI doctor at the beginning of the year also at the beginning of this year I got a new diagnosis of secondary adrenal insufficiency so if you don't know what that is uh basically mine is from being on corticosteroids but um, you can, there's primary, there's primary adrenal insufficiency, which is also known as Addison's, secondary adrenal insufficiency, which is just known as that, and then there's actually a third one, but I'm not exactly sure 
across the other one, but the second one is the one that I have. And that is caused by most of the time, if you are on long term, been on, on, on and off steroids like I was from about over, ooh, easily a decade plus ago. Um, like before, I was probably even, a, no, after I was a freshman in college, so probably a sophomore in college. Um, I was, uh, in the, let me go a little backstory here. I, um, dealt with a lot of sinus infections all the time and everything in my face just felt swollen. If you've had one bad one, you know what I mean? And I was dealing with headaches and my mom, I came home one day and I had came home from college one day and my mom was like, I'm, you're, I'm making an appointment to see my, my, the ENT. You know, my mom works in medicine and she, she knew people and she's like, he's really good. He did, took care of me and bless that rest in peace. He's, he's amazing. He's only with us. He's in heaven. Um, out of respect, I choose not to put a doctor's name out there. If I ever did, I just feel like did, I would have to really think about, do I have a good reason to? But I went to the CNT practice and the first thing he did was put me on antibiotics and steroids. And I was kind of scared of him. But oh my goodness, within days I felt so much better. I could smell and um, it started this long journey of trying to figure out what's going on. And it led to allergy testing and turning out that I had a heck of a lot of allergies. And there's some anatomical things. So I had a deviated septum and I have turbinates, which are these little like tissue pieces inside your nose. And they're supposed to be relatively small, like maybe the size of your pinky, maybe smaller. Mine were the size of thumbs. So I would get all of the swelling and inflammation and then all of that stuff in your sinuses had nowhere to go. Leading to chronic sinus, chronic sinusitis or chronic sinus infections. So it was this constant thing. And then I was getting rebound stuffiness because uh, sometimes one thing that I can like shrink it up and cause it constrict is nasal sprays. Like, you know, um, Afrin, Dristan, Sinex, which worked for me. And I was doing all like the prescription nasal sprays and allergy medicine just wouldn't touch me. And so it became the cycle of, it would clear me up. And as soon as allergies would hit or an allergen would hit, whoop, swollen back up. And so then we had got to the point where we literally done everything medically. And I was tasked with two procedures, which one I didn't even think they do anymore called balloon sinusplasty or sinus surgery, but at some point I'd probably end up with sinus surgery. And I was like, well, if I'm gonna end up having sinus surgery anyway, I might as well just start there. And um, his colleague um, did my sinus surgery. And so he's like, we can do the sinus surgery in two surgeries or one. I'm like, no, we're doing this in one. So I had my septum corrected. I had my terminus size reduced and then the openings to my sinuses made smaller. And I um I remember that day laying there and the guy comes and says, we're gonna get started and they started giving me meds to anesthetize me before we even got to the room and I was trying to fight it because I was trying to see where we're going. I remember turning my bed being pulled out, turning around a corner, going down a hallway, and then the next thing you know, I'm waking up in pain and going through this recovery. It's probably one of the grossest surgeries next to my foot surgery. Um that I went through. But I was afraid of these just, just little things. But, you know, I am um, not really little things. It was just like my nose was just bleeding and bleeding and bleeding from just having had surgery. So I basically set up on the couch for three days straight because I was afraid if I put my head back and blood went down. It, if blood gets in your stomach, it can't digest it. So you'll just get sick. And I was like, I, I don't want to do that. And, um... Remember, my mom, you know, when you have a surgery like that, they prescribe you some, some some certain kinds of medicine. And I'm the type of person that maybe like the first two days and after that, just give me some Tylenol or some Advil. I can't take Advil anymore, but, you know, get the gist. And I, um, I remember going in the day to get this packing out of my nose, which I didn't know there was in there. And my mom was like, you're going to want to. And I didn't. Um, I had it taken out and that's like oh I can breathe 
And then they just said to me, be very careful and do not sneeze. Like, careful to, like, blow your nose gently if you have to. Really try hard not to sneeze, which then my nose is like, okay, let's sneeze. Um, that, um, and after that happened, all of a sudden, things switched. And I went from having chronic sinus infections to chronic respiratory infections, bronchi- as in bronchitis. And then, shortly after that, I got diagnosed with asthma. And then... No sooner do I get like this break off steroids, I'm like, oh, I'm free. Then this bronchitis and asthma required on and off steroids, which is mild. It wasn't that much. But as time had gone on and I was having exacerbations, I was needing more and more and more to the point today where um, having to go on them for exacerbations so much led to basically my adrenal system or my. Um, being suppressed. So what that means is when you take a steroid, um, it suppresses your, your pituitary gland makes something called ACTH. And that hormone tells your adrenal glands to make the hormone cortisol. So, but when you take steroids, that all gets suppressed because the steroids are doing the job of that. Now, when you taper off steroids, it allows your body to slowly start becoming unsuppressed and start making that on its own. But in my case, because I've been on it so much over and over and over, um, I, my system did not basically wake up. It was even tapering off of it. I was suppressed. Um, my body was not making cortisol and it would, I just, I would flare right back up. It would just, you know, it was crazy. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Um is rough. And finally, one day, my doctor and pulmonologist says, let's check a cortisol level on you. And here's something I'm going to throw out there. Is if you're somebody who has like infections that are constantly requiring steroids, at some point, especially if it's like your third or fourth, have them, I think it's a good idea to make sure that they remember or think to check your cortisol levels to make sure that you, especially if you're tapering off, that your your um, cortisol levels are starting to respond on their own, um, and your body's making it because that can be, you know, and there's signs, um, of adrenal insufficiency that I didn't even know. And, um, for example, I was having lots of blood pressure, lots of stomach issues, which on top of the stomach issues I already had, um, my skin, it looks like you get like a tan, and it was like a homework sign. And I didn't really believe it until one day I took a selfie and I was like, oh my goodness. And I remember as soon as I started treatment for the adrenal, secondary adrenal sufficiency, that kind of went away. Um, but I was dealing with that. I was dealing with a family member going into hospice care. And on top of that, I had somebody in the back of my constantly going, you need to go to this place, this tertiary center. And you need to go get evaluated for your mortality. And I have been done with gastroparesis for th- three years at this point. And I wasn't ready. And I feel like I was being pushed and pushed and pushed. And I felt like when this thing was landed in my lap, that this condition is, you know, is treated by putting you back on steroids. And the goal is to eventually slowly reduce the dose and as you're doing that, checking your cortisol levels and seeing if your body's making anything. And um, one of the things is you need to carry emergent. It's kind of like if you have really bad allergies to the point of anaphylaxis, you carry an EpiPen. If you're a medic, you carry extra insulin. And somebody with adrenal insufficiency, we carry vials of cortisol some some form of steroid um turn to because if something happens to us like it can be an emotional response it can be a physical response for example god forbid you're in a car accident um it can trigger an adrenal crisis which if not treated can be fatal so what do you do if you have the symptoms which is your blood pressure starts dropping really you get really nauseous you can um you can pass out um, if you're having those symptoms or during a crisis, you have a emergency dose and 
you need to have somebody that is in your circle that you trust. So if you pass out and can't give it to yourself, they can't give it to yourself. Call 911 and get you to the hospital. And, but I also, you know, learn if you can give it to yourself in time, still give it to yourself, but go to the hospital. So, um, you learned that you're traveling around now with syringe and a vial in case of emergency medicine. And I was doing okay. And the goal was to get me from this one type of steroid called dexamethasone to a different type of steroid called hydrocortisone, which is the closest thing to what your body makes. And after a tube change, I, that weekend I made the transition and I was doing pretty good. I would have like little itchy spots, but it was like, eh. well, then there is a thing. It's very popular in Europe. Um, and in the meantime that this is going on, um, my GI doctor got like really frustrated with me, I think was the case. But all of a sudden, one day, there was this phone call, and it was just nasty. And it was very deeply emotional, almost emotional to the point that it triggered symptoms in me. And I actually did have to give myself additional steroid that day. Because I got off the phone, and I just started crying. And I understand what's going on. Like, I thought everything was fine. So to get out of the blue, this phone call, and your doctor is screaming and yelling at you which is never okay, um, ever, 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 and, like, making me feel bad for the choices that I've made in my own health care, like, and of myself, and feeling like I was doing the right thing, and then here's this doctor, is like, oh, because you didn't do whatever, and he basically quit on me, and I just, I was, I was like, no, 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 no. And he said, I will do one more tube change. And then all of a sudden, like, you get that letter. And if someone has got that letter that says, you've been dismissed from practice. And this was after he had said he'd do one more tube change. Well, he, he definitely came through on that tube change. I'll say that. And then, letter. And luckily, my mom is mom bear. I think first. And it, that happened after I had not been hearing anything. And I was fed up. I needed a feeding tube. I was frustrated. And then once in a while, I'd learn sometimes what you have to do is just go sit there and camp out. Like, and I just at this day where I was like, I don't know. I just had a moment and I just went and I spoke to the office manager and I thought, okay, I said my piece because I had not been able to get a hold of anybody. Nobody was calling me back and I didn't understand. And yes, I'm aware I'm not the only patient, but I you know, in the entire world, but I also understand that you know your body better than anybody else, and I understand that and believe that if you call your doctor's office, like, and they don't get back to you for a week at a time, and it repeatedly happens, you kind of have every right in the world to feel some type of way about that and you have do get care and I was very polite about it I just sat down I explained everything like into in the nth detail and then the next thing I know all this stuff happens I get called in and I don't even called in I get a phone call from the manager again and basically all of a sudden he had flip sides basically and was saying that I had all of this time to go see the tertiary clinic and that's why he was mad. And basically saying I was non-compliant because I didn't do that when I um, did every single tube change. I made every single appointment. We talked about splitting my tube, all these different things. And that was fully the plan. But then this new diagnosis dropped my lap. The diagnosis that had I not started treatment immediately could have killed me way faster than a motility disorder with it. And so, priority, right? Every time. Like, I wouldn't have to change a thing. And I I was so upset after that appointment. My dad was livid. It was a whole thing. And after that, I realized if they're going to cause this much like emotional 
trauma. Like, do you know what it feels like to have somebody tell you you are burning down the whole office? Yeah. You realize this is, this is a toxic thing right here. Even your doctor's office and you can get toxic. And it was a blessing in disguise, I think. Dismissed. And for a while, I had really no GI. And I was like, really? And I had to do a lot of research. But I found one. Thank goodness. And, um... But, like, being with them, I was like, is it really necessary? Like, it would have had me to take, like, a three-hour drive. And I just... When I have to go through testing or procedures, you know when you have to go through it, the next thing you want to do if you get to go home is you just want to go in your own bed. Not spend, look forward to a three-hour road trip back. No, like, the idea of that. And I'm like, maybe one day, maybe. But I'm just, like, in terms of priority of my health, like, I just, I wasn't ready for that yet. Like, I just... I needed to not be pushed. I needed it to know that it was my decision to do it. And my my instinct was telling me it wasn't the time yet um, or the place. And that the only reason I was doing this really was because I was being pushed and felt like I was doing an obligation. Not because I felt like this was absolutely necessary. And it opened my eyes to the true colors of that doctor's office. And... Um, to be told I was just too medically complicated to be told and I will say this I was medically complicated and I don't think it could handle it you know when it's something more than just reflux I swear it just it's like oh goodness what do I do I'm you know I'm a little out of my depth here you know very few people that I've doctors I met who willingly will say I don't know um doctors that I respect who will literally look me in the eyes and say I don't know but in the meantime, I'm going through tube changes. And then April, tube changes galore. Then there was a kind of a bit of a break. And then whole thing happened. Tube change again. And I um, was just, you know, when you go through tube changes, there's like a recovery process. And for me, it's not just the physical of recovering from it, but like the mental and having gone through back-to-back tube changes in the month of april pretty much spent most of may i celebrated my sister's birthday and then from there it was just mentally recovering and really putting myself into therapy um i'd been in therapy for a while but really like i had found out that my therapist was retiring and I had her reasons and just bless her. I hope everything's working out. Um, and sort of making transition into that. So for a little bit, I didn't have therapy. And I kind of realized how much I needed it. And I really was more like journaling and art. And just doing doing journaling, doing art, doing things that made me uh, happy. That brought some joy just spending a lot more time with my puppy, a lot of time with family, and um, trying to just enjoy the moment, take it day by day, um, and at that moment, I was also in the middle of thinking I needed to switch psychiatrists. I do take medication as part of one of my tools to manage my anxiety, um, and I kind of started seeing and it kind of took a while but eventually got in and uh, at first I thought it was going really well and then the treatment has just gotten really bad and it just I don't and I knew it was going to be just peace out I was like no no like your mental health is just as precious as your physical health and I feel like when you get the sense that they don't genuinely care at all what happens, you know, then it's time to go. And um, this is my health. It's been crazy because between that, 
my asthma flared up and would not come under control. So it would flare up. I'd be in my pulmonologist's office, get a steroid shot. And the thing is, at this point, me and my endocrinologist, you know, we both heard about um, something called, they're called POTS, um, um, which are these, or like a insulin delivery system, but actually being used, and they're quite used commonly in Europe to deliver cortisol um, or your hydrocortisone. And I was like, that would be so nice. So I was giving my shots every day and I was reading about it and it just gives it to you more evenly throughout the day. And, um, it started out okay, but then I would take the pods off. I went the Omniponder out and I'd have these big red welts, um, underneath it and wasn't sure what was causing it. They'd be so itchy. I'd have this big itchy lump for days or weeks. And they were worse on my stomach. Um, the arms were just, it was taking forever to heal. And when you're in steroids, you're still a healer anyway. And could not figure out. So we were in this point to try, okay, let's see if we can eliminate the pod as the cause of this. And then doing some like research, reading some forms, found out that a lot of people can get this kind of thing and medicine can kind of build up under there if it's not in right and sort of everything came to a head when we was this your analogy oh it got confirmed as an allergy because i developed somehow an allergy to solumental i do not understand that but any of my go-to and i've been doing it every day so i was like so it has to be totally fine right you know ha, wrong i come for a tube change ironically and i have to get stressed though so that's part of secondary adrenal insufficiency is whenever you have a procedure depending on it um and then there's sick day rolls you can look them up um but whenever you have a procedure if there's any sort of like if it's local you don't necessarily have to stress dose but if it's something where you're getting like conscious sedation you're being put to sleep you have to stress dose because your body needs the help to be able to deal with the procedure and the recovery afterwards. And sometimes you need a little bit of extra the day after just to sort of get you over the hump. Um, and the stress dose for <laughs> hydrocortisone for me is 50 grams, which it sounds like a whole of a lot. And they pushed it in me well before I was getting ready to go down. And all of a sudden, I start itching. And I mean, itching like I've never itched before and I look and hives I'm breaking out in hives and I took instinct take pictures it just that's what I go to I felt like the most documentation you can have the better so I took pictures I took pictures of my IV sites that were disgusting um I would constantly be letting my mom know this is what's happening this is what's going on so somebody besides me was aware of what happened and, um, you know, words, there's words, it's physically written down. Um, and I told him, I showed him and I, I guess their idea of what hives are, if it's, if it's not raised, it's not really a hive. I was like, no, 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 I'm watching these things come out of my legs and my stomach, they're hives. Well, when I do conscious sedation, one of the things they give me is a Benadryl in the IV and I'm, I was like, if they don't come down in the next somehow minutes, we can just like do the Benadryl. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I was itching. Itching, itching, itching. And I... They came and got me relatively quick after my stress dose. I got the Benadryl. By that point, I think it was like the medicine had peaked, causing the most of the reaction. And then it was starting to come down, so the reaction was starting to like slow down. And thank goodness. But I still got that Benadryl because I definitely needed it. And, um, I, um, had my tube change. I came back and I remember I was like scratching my nose a lot when I woke up and I was, what's going on? But then I was just so itchy when I got back. So I feel like I was having a secondary reaction, sort of, kind of, and had to get more Benadryl. And, um, I was quite out of it and quite loopy. And... 
I am the type of person that I, if I'm being admitted and I'm going to be in this bed, I'm going to try to do what I can do from my hospital bed. It's just kind of my nature. I like to know what's going on and I hate feeling like nobody's telling me what's going on. And it's sort of just like to do. It's like an instinct thing to do. And so, you know, especially when things could be better and things could be yeah, it's like definitely not there. The care is like definitely not there and you're just like, oh my goodness. And then happened in last month actually. I had back to back two changes. I had one scheduled and the other was were emergency two changes slash get this. I was ready to go home. It's like, okay, we got it fixed. Wake up, look down, wrong tube. I was beyond livid. And I told him, and I'm like, I am, in my mind, I'm like, I'm not leaving here until this is fixed. I mean it. And I was like, and he could see it in my eyes. Like, there must have been daggers coming out of my eyes. But he made a phone call and he goes, You're first on the list. He's like, You're going to, they taught, first he said, You're going to have to come back in two weeks um, and get the correct tube put in. And I'm like, and then, like, to eventually they come back and go, oh, we found the tube. You're going to go down your first um, in the morning. So, so which I was. And got the right tube. Went home. This tube's lasted approximately three weeks. And it's out of place. And this Thursday, I go down and get another one. Put in. It's this never-ending cycle. But, again, this requires stress dose. Now, what does this mean in terms of my treatment for secondary adrenal insufficiency? It means every time... Whether it be a procedure or an asthma flare where I have to get a higher dose of steroids, it resuppresses whatever my immune system again, or it resuppresses the whole ACTH, cortisol, that whole thing all over again. And so it's basically like starting from scratch over and over and over again. So my doctor found this medicine called Dupixent. And right now it is a fight with my insurance because they refuse to approve the authorization or whatever. And so, um, it's like my hope. It's for people with eczema and steroid-dependent asthma, which my asthma has become that. And it's become harder to control. And um, it has been like... Uh, and I, in the process of all this, switched to different steroids. I'm like on one of the more strong ones, but it's a lower dose than what I was actually taking of the other one. Um... So now one of the things that happens when you're on steroids is that you gain weight. I've gained about, I was 112 pounds before I started the long term. 151 now, so you figure like 40-ish pounds. And a chunk of it is water weight, chunk of it is not water weight. You bloat. You get something called moon face, like, yeah. Um, in face, or you can, and you get like redistribution of your fat. So like you kind of get a bit of a tummy going on, a gut. Things just change, and you're kind of adapting to this. I call it the steroid body. And um, I had this once before when I was having to be on a bunch of steroids, recovering from cardiac ablation surgery and gained a lot of weight and on the steroids and it took a let's say a good six seven months for my body to get back to normal but with a secretary adrenal insufficiency it's not like you you're on them steroids for like a month and you taper off or something no you're on them for six months to a year and then you have to very 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 slowly taper off because you can go through steroid withdrawal and um, you only get the cue to do that once we know, once you know that your body is making cortisol all on its own. Now the now if we get my body making cortisol on its own, and then it flares up and I have to go on steroids again, the odds of me getting suppressed where I have to sort of do this sort of cycle again, it's definitely up there. Um, what else does this affect? It affects your moods, affects your behaviors, it, oh, all kinds of things. And um, so I've been doing a lot of that and it got me thinking about 
advocating and it got me thinking about what is important to me and asking myself this question, what do I expect out of my health care? You know, when I was in interactions with providers and the emergency room, any of them, I'm thinking I'm coming in there for this specific reason to get this care. And it can be really frustrating when you have chronic illnesses that are as well and you can't really see them. Um, and you get and hear all kinds of different things that can be either be, and I, like I said, I have been yelled at to the point of tears. Actually, I've been yelled at multiple times. And my, my parents have like, totally been in the room when that's happened. Or on the phone and realizing, okay, there are things that are acceptable and then there's things that are not acceptable and it is not okay to treat people like that, whether they're a patient or not. And, um, kind of realizing, you know, my, my way of advocating for myself may not be what you guys do. And, you know, I just know what you're, what you think of when you're the word, um, being an, your own advocate, what does that entail for you? Does that mean that you're going to manage your, you are clawing your way up the line? And I have been told by certain people who are just curious, like, you know, you go up the line, you start here. And if it doesn't get anywhere there, you go up to this level and this level and this level. And I, you know, I'm, I come in in the back of my mind and it's kind of sad that you come in the back of your mind ready to have to fight for your care, you know, because I've had, I've come in to the emergency room with a horrible asthma flare and you can hear me coughing and wheezing. This was before COVID and having to literally ask for an treatment, but because my vitals were okay, I didn't even, and it finally, what it is, but they finally just, they put me in one of those like rooms where like emergencies come in, like by ambulance, huge room, trauma room. And it was the only room they had open that could, had the plug-in to do nebulizer treatment. So, um, doing that, you know, I mean, because it makes no sense to me when respiratory comes to give you a treatment and they smell from head to toe of perfume, of really bad sense of hand sanitizer, like, and you're like, I'm not interested in your training. You're working with people that are on oxygen, have COPD, have emphysema, asthma, cystic fibrosis, whatever the case may be, that can be easily triggered by fragrance. And you come in to give me a treatment for an asthmatic patient smelling like perfume. Think about that. In my mind, you should be smelling like nothing, or at least as close to nothing as you can possibly get. And I understand that you want to smell good and everything, but I want to breathe. <laughs> and I still think about that. What, what's important to you? I think about that. And I've heard that from nurses that just kind of reassures me, okay, I'm doing the right thing here is, you know, your body better than anybody else. You know, what's going on. Talk to them, talk their ear off, you know, if you have to. And that's my person is, is I will not, you know, I will talk to anybody who will listen to me. So everybody, you know, and it might be annoying, but I feel like it's the only way I'm like, I know I told you about it. I know I told you about it. You know, I have to do that a lot to get my stress dose of medicine, because when you look at them and say, I have secondary adrenal insufficiency, I can't have this procedure until I get my stress dose of medicine and you get this blank stare. Like, what? The doctor has to order that. I'm like, I know, like, yes, I know the doctor has to order it. So I've come in now with paperwork that literally has the type of steroid I can get, which is now down to one, and the dose for that, and then, like, instructions and stuff. And they take it with them. And like, oh my goodness, this is awful. I come in, literally, I will revamp it. But I have typed out my entire history. So, like, not entire history, but, like, um, my medicines that I take. And the last time I took them, the last time I ate my last menstrual period my like because I know they're gonna ask me these questions I have my medicine allergies and the type of allergic response that I have you know my emergency contacts like everything plus any notes from endocrinologists in terms of dosing and what to do in terms of crisis because apparently they don't know so I have it all written down 
you know, you know, I love nurses. I think nurses are awesome. I think they put up with a lot. And then there's sometimes I get some and I question why they're in the field, but most of the time they're pretty awesome. Um, so that's where I am. And I'm just thinking about there has to be a better way to advocate because the patient advocate like at my hospital only does it like if you're sitting out in the emergency room or something but there really is no advocate system they the nurses say i'm your advocate um and some of them totally have been um i've been at a hospital that i felt like were my advocate but in the sense i'm like there to help me fight this when it's not wrong when it's like a wrong situation where i'm not getting the medicine correctly and i've tried and tried and tried it's like there needs to be a system, an internal system for admitted patients, as well as patients that are coming in, you know, outpatient, so that they can advocate and know. And sometimes I wonder, like, I've been a patient that's for almost 10 years, right? Maybe like six years, six, seven years. I got a chart. My charts are long. Anybody with chronic illness knows our charts are ridiculously thick. If we were still doing paper charting, like, it'd be me held together by a giant rubber band like just multiples of them like I'm, I'm like why are you asking me I, I I literally see the doctors next door you can literally pull up my chart but there's you know they're still going to ask you for safety reasons and everything I'm like yeah I didn't get an audiogram it's like one of those things um and I have caught it where they're trying to like give me medicine and logic too and I'm like uh, no um we tried that like once with giving me Benadryl to like pre-medicate like that failed so hard so um that's going on it's been a lot of medical drama it's been a lot of doctor drama like I don't even know if Grace Donovan could write an episode that could even come close to what's been going on like I feel like you want to get some realistic medical stuff that goes on these medical shows to come to like these chronic illness pages and talk to us because I mean, man, we give them stuff for several series, many seasons. Um, I got questions. If there was questions and things I want you to think about, think about the team of doctors you have around you. Which ones are the ones you'll be like, you know what, I'm really happy and satisfied with the care that I get from them, and which ones are the ones that you just you haven't been happy with lately. And if you can make a change, who would it be? And other things. Um, uh, who would it be? Um, what would you do to make it uh, the patient care experience better or easier for people with chronic illness, people with who... You know, it's not our intention to frequent the hospital. It just kind of goes with the territory of some of our diagnosis. And um, to make that experience um, better, less traumatic. What can make an experience where you, where you unfortunately have to go in the hospital less of a traumatic experience? What can they do to make it better to help? Because I feel like they're so focused on your physical, they completely forget about the mental. And it gets mentally exhausting. And... Um, to help make things mentally easier. Um, I feel like there's a lot of work to do there. There's a lot of work to do in the healthcare system, that is for sure. Um, coming up, like, I was trying not to have to do a tube change, but my tube is definitely out of place, and I'm just going with, like, what feels right to me, and you know, I got a date. I got a phone call yesterday and I got a date. So it's just like, okay. Um, and from the get-go, I feel like my anxiety is, I guess I have this fear thing in the back of my mind that if I don't say anything, that's when stuff's going to hit the fan and things are going to go wrong. And that's, I, you know, you know, I'm kind of taking a cue from where, how, people don't want to get the patient mixed up or anything like that. I'm like, well, I don't want my care to get screwed up. No offense, but, um, yep. So I feel like, okay, I'm just going to repeat this to a lot of people. I'm going to be very repeating myself today, which I don't like to do, but, 
Um, I feel like it's anywhere. I'm like, okay, I have told so many people. Somebody is going to remember. Like, it's going to stick in somebody's brain somewhere in somebody's craw. You know. And a pain in the butt. But if that's what I have to do to make sure that care is, the proper care is given. Um, and I receive it. Then so be it. Um, in my encouragement to you today, and I wanted to start to end episodes like this, is don't be afraid to use your voice and to advocate for yourself and to get the care that you need. And know that there are resources out there and you are not the only one going through this. And if you are going through something, if you've been through medical trauma, if you have been yelled at by doctors, you've been at your wits end trying to just... Oh... I feel you. I have been there. I'm still there. And you know what? We have each other's back. That is the important thing is that there is a community out there that understands what you're going through. And um, reach out on like Facebook or is it made now? Meta now. I don't know. And find a group. I found several support groups that are really helpful. And some people who get it help so freaking much so much and journaling down and getting those thoughts out of like those thoughts that can just recirculate over and over and over in your head you know of what you went through and having it somewhere other than there it definitely helps but you know if writing is not really your thing you could try recording it um you could try many different things i also definitely encourage especially going through chronic illness and the traumas and things that we go to is to get go to therapy to work on your mental health to work on your whole body as a whole not just the physical but the mental the spiritual all the nourish all of it um because every part of it deserves to be taken care of we're all these and you know, the human body is amazing and it's weird and it's gross and it does things that sometimes you're just going but why and um why and then I was thinking about it. What are you going through? And I was looking at my family members. And I just realized I would not. I, I'm going to go through this. I don't want them to ever, 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 ever experience any of this ever. So in that sense, I'm going to go through it if it means that they don't have to. Um, I love them to pieces. And um, and some things with my friends. I would not want them to go through that and the thing is, is figure out the people in your life that are important to you that you know support you are there for you and keep those people close bring them in close bring them in tight and then the ones that just seem to be negative that you know either they really just don't get the picture or they make you feel bad about yourself they make you feel bad about Things that are out of your control, you don't need that in your life. So learn to take space and set boundaries and say, you know what? No, you're not treating me like that. But sometimes it can be really, really hard. Um, but you deserve, you are worthy and you are worthy to be loved and treated and respected. And no one should make you feel anything less than that it should be lifting you up and boosting you up and not bringing you down but that's not how that works so things I encourage you to do is jam up to your favorite music do you, you know things that you do that you can love and you're like well I don't know if I guess I'll do it I have learned in this world chronic illness it's adapt it's figure it out figure out a way and I have and it's I have loved the there's been this challenge of, okay, I can't do this way anymore, so how do I do it now? And figuring out a way and then making it work somehow, it kind of feels good. It's like, ah, victory for me. Celebrate the small victories. Celebrate the little things. Take it day by day. Baby steps. Remember to breathe. It sounds crazy, but just Remember to breathe. Remember, you know, 
What happened today may not happen tomorrow. And, you know, be grateful. Be appreciative. Be humbled. Be a fighter. Be strong. Remember, you don't have to be... Well, I say be strong. Be a fighter. And people expect you to be this optimistic, brave. And they go, oh my goodness, you're so inspiring. You're so brave. I don't think I could do that. You don't know what you're capable of until you're literally in the middle of it. And then you realize, you're, ah, I'm doing it. And I know some days you're like, I really do not want to... Sometimes you don't have to. It's okay not to feel brave and optimistic. And I got this. Some days you just got to feel what you need to feel. And let it out. And there's days where I am optimistic and peppy. And I'm ready to kick, so, kick all kinds of chronic illness. But and then there's days where I'm just exhausted and I'm tired. And I'm just going with my, my body and my emotions. to tell me and allowing myself to feel what I need to feel. And feel some type of way about it. And... Um, learning not to keep it in so much is really hard sometimes, but sitting down and trying to make an effort to have conversations with my parents and with people in my life that really know in depth about my chronic illness, like, um, and getting to see how they're feeling about it. Because sometimes, because they're up with us, sometimes I stop, wait, wait, how are you doing? Like, I know it's rough on me, so I know Again, sort of a ha there has to be some kind of difficulty and my mom has told me that that it can be very hard very stressful it's a lot on them and it's like i'm the one with the chronic illness but we're all going through it and i hate that it, it indirectly directly affects them like that and um me too that we're going to get through this together we're a team and um you have support here in me and i uh there are some new features here so i'm gonna try to check them out and if i get some of them up and running you'll know but i hope you like this episode and oh it is very random when i post but i will try to be better a little bit more frequent mm -hmm. and i hope that your holidays whatever you celebrate is wonderful and beautiful and um, amazing and everything that you want it to be and if you have birthdays coming up happy birthday anniversaries happy anniversary um and uh, I will catch you in the next one.